Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. Joining me, as usual, is site expert Stephen Kibitza. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing great, Andrew. Uh, that's another great intro you've done. I'm very proud. And I'm very you oh, know, thank you. happy to be here talking about the draft. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a little bit, uh, there's a, quite a bit has happened since our last podcast, so I think we have a little bit to talk about. Yeah. So what do you think of the draft? I loved it. Um, I'm also glad it happened, so we have stuff to talk about now, and we, don't just, we just don't go on crazy rumors about Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. all the national grades are pretty spot on. I think it's an A. Although, you know, it's, I mean, what is the difference between an A minus and a B plus in draft grades a week after? But I loved it. Did you love it? Yeah. I mean, I don't, the draft grades to me are kind of irrelevant because you're, none of these guys have played a game yet. And how many times after the, uh, after the draft did the Browns have <laughs> a good draft grade in our minds, I would say, uh, probably for the last five or so years. So, I'm not going to put the cart before the horse and say that this is a home run, but uh, from what I see, I, I'm definitely going to be interested in what's, what's going to be on the field this season. Yeah, outside of Miles Garrett, which was a given, and we're glad <laughs> glad it happened. Thank God. Which, because if it which wasn't, pick no. is your favorite pick, you know, based on value and just a player in general? Zane Gonzalez. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, the tight end pick for me, I like David Njoku. I thought that was a, a really good pick. Uh, I wanted O.J. Howard at 12, and when they passed on him and Hooker at 12, which was honestly really surprising to me, um, I thought Hooker was going to be a slam dunk there for the Browns because no one thought that he would even be available there. Um, but they traded down, which I know you liked, but was not um, – I mean, I get it, but I would have rather had Malik Hooker, but – I just think picking up a, a trading back into the first round, which I thought would be for a quarterback. I mean, they did it for a tight end who many regard as one of the, if not one A or one A, the one B to OJ Howard in this class. So I can't really complain. What about you? Now I like it. Now, how about the fact that they traded in and everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people go, here comes Kaiser or here comes Davis Webb. And then they end up getting Kaiser at pick 52. I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I, I don't know I if thought... they truly expected that would happen, but it was a. I mean, genius play by Sashi Brown. Yeah, I mean, I thought for sure when they were at twenty five that they were going to take. Yeah, um, even at twenty five, they Davis could've. Webb. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Davis Webb or Deshaun Kaiser because I mean that you just look at all the headlines that are or what what's going on in terms of the quarterbacks and you hear oh nothing really in the top fifteen that a late run on quarterbacks in the first round. You know, you just don't. You're, if you're the Browns, you're like, all right, we've got our pass rusher. Like now, maybe our guy's still on the board. So you think that a, a quarterback would be penciled in there? And then when they passed on one at 25, I saw that they traded back in to 29, and I thought for sure that another one was coming then. And they still passed on it. So, I mean, at the end of the first round, it was it was great and all, but you still really didn't have an answer at quarterback. And then um, for that for him to fall at 50, for Kaiser to fall to 52 was just a a very good thing for the Browns. Yeah, and I know you did not like, as you said earlier, the move to trade down. Why is it just because you wanted Hooker, or is it just the concept of trading down instead of taking a talent there? I, I mean, looking at Peppers, like I, I didn't like that pick at first because I just didn't know too much about him, you know, other than the Michigan bias and that he only had one interception. But the more I watch, the more it, it's a good pick, and he was probably very high on their board, so. They got a first-round pick and a player that was still high on their board. I think it just for me, 
it's it, like, why would you pass on Malik Hooker? You know, I, I mean, Hooker I only think, did have a full one year of true, you know, starting time. Yeah, just to I be think fair, that goes against the no, it goes against the Browns' mo of of players who played a lot, very productive, um, and very versatile, I mean, got, like Peppers is. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's not to say that Hooker isn't, but I think just given the opportunity for to add another first round pick going into next year, I think the Browns jumped all over that. So. Let's hope Houston has a bad year next year. <laughs> it's insane the fact that the Browns – I wonder if the Browns are going to acquire any more of Houston's picks next year. I, do they have any left? Because I – mean, None of the good ones anyway. Yeah, because we have them both. We might as well just send Brock back and we'll pay his contract. Mm-hmm. Well, what I was going to say is we should trade back the first and second for like Jadeveon Clowney and J.J. Watt. You know, let's just see if they would do it. That would be an insane trade and Houston fans – and send Brock back like really quietly. Yeah, we'll send the first, second, and Brock, and we'll get DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt back in return. I think that would work. That's a fair We'll trade. ask. We'll call <laughs> the GM's office in Houston see what happens. But I want to ask, yeah. going into the draft, I know we were talking about it, how shocked were you when Mitchell Trubisky went number two? Because he was a realistic option for the Browns. I mean, people were saying at one, I didn't buy that. But even at 12, and then that shook up the whole draft. Oh, I think it, it shocked me, to be honest with you. I, I was sitting at um, Willoughby Brewing Company with, with my mom on her birthday and a couple friends, and uh, when they traded up to two, I was like, man, either they really want Solomon Thomas or they're they, – I mean, they must love somebody else. I had no no feeling that it was going to be Mitch, you know, and then I heard his name, and everyone in the mentor community is very happy for him, and, and, and they should be. It's a great accomplishment. I mean, who would have thought that he would have gone number two? And he's going to get mean, paid a bunch of money for that draft slot. Oh, yeah. I mean, great for him. The only thing I – like, thinking about it objectively, I don't think the Bears are a much better organization than the Browns. Right it looks now, like the Bears know? are this year's edition of the, you know, classic Browns. They only had, I think, five picks, and three were from very tiny schools, which doesn't mean they're going to be bad in any sense. It's just they. It's just, uh, it doesn't. None of their picks the really a, are impact players for their team right now. Yeah, I mean, and you you sign my and not to say that Mitch isn't going to be a good quarterback, but you sign Mike Glenn. And they invited the him to the draft party to basically like host it. Yeah, <laughs> that's something that made, the Browns would no do. <laughs> well, to, for starters, Pace didn't. Or the GM Ryan Pace didn't tell John Fox, I believe, until like two hours before the draft. Sounds so, like Ray Farmer. That Yeah, that right there should tell you that I, I would assume the coach wasn't on board with taking a quarterback, but, I mean, to trade a, to trade, to give up what they got, or to give up what they gave up to go up one spot to a team that wasn't going to take Yeah, they wanted Trubisky, Solomon Thomas the whole time. I mean... 49 I, I, You shot your shot, I got it, but <laughs> you need to... Uh, <laughs> You got to supplement the roster with some other pieces, and I, like I was saying, you go into the season with Mike Glennon. Even at number three, you can take a guy like Jamal Adams or like just an impact player that's going to be a, a potential cornerstone. And instead, they took a guy that's not going to play right now. And while it may work out down the road, I think that's part of the reason why they're getting such negative draft grades right now. Yeah, and the Browns are playing the Bears on Christmas Eve, which will be a very interesting game. It'll be a good kind of a measuring stick. Obviously, we're me and you are both assuming the Browns are going to go ten and six and make the playoffs. <laughs> but um, no, the better game the better game is the uh, fourth preseason game. You're right because we're going to see a lot of yeah. Trubisky and maybe he'll Kaiser light it up. And Trubisky. the Bears fans awesome. will be calling for him. Just, no, it's the fourth preseason, so the starter won't play. Glennon won't. That's play what I mean. Mitch beats him out. Yeah, so, I mean 
Trubisky versus Kaiser. It's going to be against his oh, own wow, college team. all-star game. Awesome. They're, they're probably going to live stream it. There's going to be like ESPN crews all over. It's going to be a, a prime time preseason. Well, they do. Game. The Browns already do have that one Monday night football preseason game against the Giants and Davis Webb, I believe. So you, you got a lot of prime time games in August. All in the preseason. That's what I like to see. <laughs> yeah, then once the season starts, just don't watch. But I want to. Well, I, I, I can't wait for the training camp. But uh, training camp grades of like, who's the guy in tra- who's the under undrafted free agent that they brought in like this year's Josh Lenz or oh, geez. Uh, oh like Terrell um, Pryor of two years ago. The tight end, Hamlet. Uh, who? It's Connor Hamlet. Oh yeah, like last year's. Like, oh, we can't like, get rid of him. I go. Oh my! <laughs> like, that's so. But that that's brings so us funny to, me. to the topic of another tight end, Gary Barnage, who was let go, and it was kind of surprising because it was the the day after they drafted Njoku. It was on Friday because mm-hmm. Barnage had his tweet, "Welcome to the tight end room," and then fourteen hours later, I would like to thank the Cleveland Browns. For a career, and he wasn't. I know his salary wasn't too high. I was kind of surprised by the move because, I mean, clearly they're banking on Devalve, maybe even Telfer along with Njoku. Yeah, I would think that they're probably really excited about um, Njoku, and I, I think, especially where the team's at right now, I don't think it makes much sense. Like, did you see the way Gary Barnage played last year? I mean, it, he didn't light the world on fire, even when jo- like. RG3 was understandable because that chemistry is not there. But even when Josh McCown was in the game, I mean, he, he, the guy was dropping passes left and right and just looked lost on the football field yeah, last that's year. That's fair. He I really did nothing to help the team. And Seth Devolve did better in such a short period of time. There's such a smaller sample size that you draft a guy like Najoku, you're not going to let him sit. I think plus getting up there in age, you just got to think about, like, where is this team going to be at by the time? Like, we want to get these guys ready now. And Gary Barnage just didn't fit that mold. Yeah, and I think the issue is you only have 46 active spots on game day. So if you're already carrying two young tight ends, are you really going to use a spot for Barnage when you can carry an extra defensive back? Yeah, there's Randall, Randall Telfer's there too, which I don't yeah, know. And if you're not going like to put him, Barnage on special teams. Yeah, I, I just I get it. And some people were like, well, why don't, why don't you let him go through training camp and, and – Wow, but no, they let him go. Apparently, it's yeah, seeing so he can let join another team because he's you know they're not exactly. evil. It, <laughs> no, they want him. That's they a, hope people, he lands somewhere. Just how the business works. Hopefully not in Pittsburgh, but Ooh, no, they need he did the end. new Heath. Yeah, talk, well, I was but, there. They still chant Heath. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so sad. He's like kind of good too. He wasn't like that good. He was just like he's like but Jason Witten's like really really good. But Heath Miller is like. Like a his name's just Jason Witt. Yeah, I mean it's it, they're good because of the fact that like you, you got a star quarterback throwing you such, the ball. Well, I mean that's the thing is if you've got a tight end that just flat out catches the ball, which is what Heath and like Jason yeah, just Witten sit do, and catch it. Yeah, just catch the ball. You're you're a safety blanket. You know that's I mean it's exactly what Heath Miller was, and that's that's what the Browns need desperately. Yeah, I think yeah the the decision to get Njoku there. Was a very good one. It was surprising to fans, I'd say, because no one was really. OJ Howard was a big tight end name. Unless you were really mm-hmm. scouting tight ends, then you'd know. But it was a smart move. It wasn't a reach. And. Yeah, but I saw Njoku was high. I mean, mock drafts really don't matter because we saw how the draft they got blown out, up right away. I, oh, I saw him at as high as 15 in some cases. You know, he, he's a good tight end. I think in a class without OJ Howard, he's number one, obviously. But. 
the guy's fast and he can catch and he's not as bad of a blocker as people make him out to be. So I'm interested to see what he can do. Yeah, me too. So what's your biggest, I'd say, gamble pick for the Browns that was well, kind of surprising? And it seems like an obvious um, one. Yeah, obviously we're going to say Caleb Brantley. Um, we'll talk about that after, but I honestly think it's Deshaun Kaiser a little bit, you know, because what it does is it gives you a quarterback and this is, I mean, it, they were patient and let it come to them, which was great. But, and you've, what you used a second round pick on a guy that in a year, you may not know what you have any, and then the third year, it'll be the third year of the rebuild. And you've got to make that distinction is he the guy that we're going to build around or are we going to have to trade up and get a quarterback or draft one high in the first round, you know? And, and if they do choose the route to draft one in the first, then they'll battle it out. But if he comes in and plays halfway decent, you've almost set yourself up to like a make or break decision. And it's a lot to, to predict moving forward, but I, I just think it's a, an interesting scenario that could play out with such a high a high pick. Yeah, I think it's a smart decision because if he if he does bad and the team's bad, then they have two picks in the first round. They can always get another one in a quarterback yeah, and heavy class. And if he does good, then maybe you don't have to draft a quarterback high, and you have those two picks yeah. to further build the rest of the team. Yeah, and I I see. Like obviously, I I think we were together, and I said if like I was excited when they took Deshaun Kaiser. I was like, wow, all right, like that's a draft came to them he was left there at 52, which I don't even think they thought would happen. So I would have made that same pick. I just, the only potential issue I see is like what happens next year. If he's like decently good, but not like kind of like what Cody Kessler was this year. Like you're like, Hey, he could be the franchise quarterback, but we're not really sure, you know? So does that prevent you from taking a quarterback? I don't think Kessler was probably in the really good play. No, I know. And that's similar to what the sentiment is based on, what we've heard out of Berea in terms of Deshaun Kaiser too. So, um, I mean, I think the kids, he's obviously got the size and arm strength to do it. And Hugh Jackson, it'll be a test to see if Hugh Jackson is the cute quarterback whisperer that he says he is. Yeah, And fans need to realize that most teams give quarterbacks time to develop. So yep. hopefully with this new line and a, a experience, more experienced Cody Kessler, understanding different protections and just the speed of the game, maybe even a, rejuvenated Brock Osweiler will keep Kaiser on the sidelines in the third string role where he doesn't even have to see the field. Cause it's just, but fans won't believe it till they see it. I have a heart. Like, I don't know why I think this, but like how many times did Jacksonville come out and say that Blake Bortles wasn't going to start? Or how many times did Miami come out like and say that Tannehill wasn't going to be the starter right away when they drafted him at seven? Mariota, same thing. Derek Carr, Oakland Raiders. It's like if like I feel like I just don't want the Browns to be put in a trap where just because they drafted him in the second round that they feel the pressure to play him. And yeah. I don't think that'll be the case. But like, what's going to happen if he beats like if he's a starter week one? Yeah, he know, might show it, up and just clearly be the best quarterback. I, I, but I think even if he unlikely. does, would you start him though? Because he's he still yeah, wouldn't really know I'm the saying. pace of the game as well. Exactly, His training and camp in a regular season game is worlds apart. I mean, I I get if he's if he's good enough, like if he's showing up to practice and lighting the world on fire, then obviously you play him. But I, I think if it's a if it's a decision like they're like he and Cody Kessler or even Brock Osweiler, which you can tell my enthusiasm on that one. Um, if it's a 
a close competition between Kaiser and Kessler, I have a hard time believing that they're going to start Kaiser. Yeah. You know, Kessler's is, is <laughs> I don't like to say it this way, but he'll take the beatings, you know, and he, maybe he won't, but he'll, he'll take the lumps that, that the sophomore lumps that he needs to take and hopefully make strides as a, as and a quarterback. He looked good I, last year. He never really made the RG three type mistakes of just, that's the thing is, is he, he didn't turn the ball over, which is a great, a great thing for quarterbacks. And that's the problem you would run into with Kaiser is that I questioned his decision-making and some of his, uh, um, mechanics in terms of throwing the ball accurately. So I think he would be prone to throwing a lot of interceptions. I think Kessler will win the starting job, but it'll just be interesting to see how the season plays out, what kind of pressure they feel to play. Yeah, it depends if, if Kessler's out there and the team's losing, but he's you know playing well and it's just everyone else, then he'll, he's going to keep starting. But if he's out there turning the ball over left and right or just missing throws, it'll take like two weeks <laughs> for there already to be rumblings about what we got to put Kaiser in. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was kind of my next question. It's like I was going to ask what the over under is for uh, when uh, when Browns fans are going to start calling for Deshaun. Honestly, Kyler. if they're trailing by more than ten at halftime of the opener, <laughs> I'm being dead serious. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, it'd be I, naive I to I was... say that that there. If you're in the stadium and say Cody Kessler comes out two picks in the first half, they're down like seventeen to three. Oh geez, dude! I would. I remember. I was at, remember that Cincinnati game from 07 when Derek or they traded Charlie Fry <laughs> right after week Bold one, strategy. and then Anderson was the starter. And I, I had um, the people we tailgated with had a sign across the stadium on a big bed sheet that said "Save us Brady" or Brady Quinn, and they they put it out there. But that was the game where the Cincinnati like just points. destroyed him. Yeah, and, and it was crazy. Like that was one of the best Browns games I've ever been to. No, that's how it is, though. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm choking in my my Diet Coke. <laughs> and it's just how it always is. It's next guy up, and then that guy fails. And then usually the people try to save face, and they go, oh, he needs, you know, he just needs more time, or he needs more protection. It's like, why are you pretending like this guy's your own son? Like, just let the team develop their own guys and take it's it a game last, at a time. Uh, it's the last strand of, like, hope. That they're clinging. Yeah, a lot to of people it. on the lovely, energetic, lively Dog Pond Daily Facebook page be like, "Oh well, you have to start Kessler. You have to start Kessler." It's like, well, this guy wasn't brought in to be the starter. I mean, I agree that it, he's probably going to win the job, but if he does bad, those same people are going to be like, "Oh, we got to bring in Kaiser." The thing I the thing I see with Kessler that I haven't seen from a while with Browns quarterbacks is he's like, yeah. One, he's a gym rat. He's always at the always at the facility or always. He's there like out. six a.m. Who's up that early? Well, he's like he's building a rapport with all the young wide receivers that they were drafted with. So, like, I think that's really cool, and I, I think Cody Kessler might do some good things this year. And I'm just the reason I have such hesitations is because they just didn't win a game with him last year, and it wasn't it, like they could have won games with him. It's just he didn't do enough to get he the closed win. out the Chargers win like Cody Allen. Yeah, it, and. To be fair, the only win I should say, not just the Chargers win. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of excuses that could be made for him as to why they didn't win games with him, but Carson Wentz won with a lot less talent. So, I that's that's just where I see it. You know, it's almost that benchmark that people have been using or Browns fans have been using at least for uh, this draft and drafts to come. As soon as 
until the Browns are done wheeling and dealing the assets that, that they've gotten from Philadelphia. Yeah, now it's going to be, is Malik Hooker outperforming Jabril Peppers? Is Deshaun Watson outperforming anyone who plays for the Browns? Although I don't yeah. think the Browns you know, were going to draft Watson. They had no intentions. That's why they passed on yeah. him. Yeah. Do you know one pick that I really, really like I think it's going to be really good? Hold on. Let me try and guess. I just blanked and forgot all their picks. Who? No, no it's not for the Browns. Oh, Pat Mahomes? That, well, in three years, yes. I love McCaffrey to the Panthers. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so dynamic. I love – I think he's like – and Curtis Samuel too. Like what two better playmakers in college could you have picked – to go alongside and McCaffrey's However, just a big tough guy for yeah, a team that runs very, a pretty quick like you know skill skill player did you see offense. that that Tony Zarella video he was like very cerebral high football IQ <laughs> like not he's not gonna blow you buzz away words. with speed but he's got he's got quickness yeah all the all the white guy buzzwords <laughs> no I know it, it's it's crazy a lot of the comparisons are gonna be oh it's like a bigger Danny Woodhead like what just because yeah, he's I mean, like just a white running back doesn't mean, although he will maybe put up similar production to Danny Woodhead, who is yeah. my favorite fantasy go-to player because he runs and you know, catches out of the backfield. But he's, I like mean, McCaffrey's more of a traditional back. Yeah. I mean, I'll be really interested to see how Carolina uses him. I mean, that read option with, uh, with Cam is going to be lethal. So hopefully they get out of their, uh, they get out of their slump. That's an interesting division, I think, because I mean the Saints. You have Drew Brees, but they've they like they weren't bad last year, like but their record kind of they're showed in that purgatory. They were. they were a pretty good team though. Like I, they, well, they just had no lost defense. I followed them a lot because I had I had Mark Ingram and uh, I had another fantasy player on their team that well maybe it was just Mark Ingram, but oh I had Michael Thomas too, and so I would watch a bit of their games for fantasy, and I'm like they're in a lot of these games. They just can't. Get it well, they done. Would, they would de- put up enough points, but their defense would blow it. Oh, I was gonna say the defense was a huge problem, and, and they did a good job with Lattimore and uh, Ryan Ramsey at the back end. So I can't believe that. Uh, so San Francisco, I guess, took both of New Orleans' picks. Mm-hmm. Like though, like uh, so- or not Solomon Thomas. Um, oh wait, yeah, I guess maybe Solomon Thomas was the Saints' favorite player at the beginning, but that was kind of obvious he was going number three. And then they jumped him for uh, Reuben Foster come on the back end. That's what happens if you. I mean, the Browns might have taken Mahomes at twelve. Yeah, if the Chiefs re- didn't jump. What? What a dumb trade for Buffalo. Which one of your? Did friend you know that? Uh, the first one, the number ten, to Kansas City. Oh, trading out of it. Yeah. Did you see? I, I was reading some stuff on uh, why Doug Whaley got fired. And they said the last straw was when he traded out of that spot because the owner loved Pat Mahomes. But they don't need a quarterback in Whaley's eyes. They do, though. They haven't made the playoffs for like 17 straight years. Since 99. Browns have been there since. I know. So they're not technically. I mean, they might statistically be the worst, but they're not the longest playoff drought. So at least we've got that going for us. Browns haven't won a playoff game, though, since 94. Yeah. But we digress. But no, that. I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas and I saw I was watching that 2002 playoff game and I don't really remember it because I just wasn't that wasn't I was a decent Browns fan like I remember Kevin Johnson but like well you were also eight yeah I don't remember it too much and that, <laughs> I remember that, that game. game I was chugging Coors Light well it's just yeah I was just watching it on NFL Network but it's crazy to watch like an actual meaningful Browns football like but the last one was so long ago fourteen years yeah Ugh. I don't like it. 
I don't like to talk about. I, I really was so little. I mean, when you're little, you liked a team, but you like them in like a oh darn we lost type of way. Now it's like, you know, you, your you know girlfriend or wife walks in and you're just staring at the table like, are you okay? Are Be you like, proposing the idea that you <laughs> you are aggressive towards your significant other? Because no, of the- I'm saying you didn't <laughs> let me finish. I was saying she walks in and you just go, why I oughta? we just can't we just can't win. She goes, maybe we should go outside. You're like, go outside. What is the outside? On Sundays, there is no such thing as the outside when the Browns are on. Yeah, it's just, no. that's why I like to watch the games alone in the darkness. Yeah. With this microphone. And then I get to wallow in my sorrow as they, I mean, especially this year. I bought Sunday ticket for the first time since I'm in Louisville now, and it's, uh, I get to watch in a time delay how bad the Browns are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I text you 20 seconds before it happens. Yeah, I'm hoping this year will probably be different. So I'm going to say, Speaking I'm going to go of, on a limb. Or you sound like let me say what I was going to say first. I was going to say there's no way they're going to go one in fifteen again. What were you going to say? Well, that kind of plays into what I'm about Sorry to for say. Is I was going to <laughs> ask what your obviously I don't think they're going to go one in fifteen either. But I was just curious. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Cody Kessler is the week one starter. What do you think? What is? What do you think the record of this team is? It, saying Cody Kessler starts all sixteen games. Well, I saw the Vegas odds over under was four and a half, so I'm going to say Ooh, five. I'm going to have to bet that when I'm there. I'm going to go ugh. because even when the Browns were bad from every other year besides 2007 or 2002, they still were, you know sometimes won four or five games. It wasn't like a crazy thing. It was just they were always out of it by the time like week seven rolled around. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance that now we're going to see a little bit more of what Hugh Jackson really wants out of his offense. He's going to have some talent. Well, he wants the up-tempo style, and last year he just didn't have talent to do that. You know, you had to simplify the offense enough to have Cody Kessler back there. Um, now that he's had another year to grow in the offense, another year to understand the playbook and, and really just get a better, just get more comfortable with it. I think that he's going to be able to, to open up the playbook and be a little bit more aggressive with some of the things that Kessler is allowed to do. Um, they've just got, they got to run the ball more. I think that's a huge area that the Browns not, not necessarily need to improve, but just need to focus more on, I think, to, to help out the quarterback. Yeah. The ideal, I mean, they tried to last year. They really did, but they, they just, I mean, it just didn't, wasn't working out a, a few times they did and it worked. And then they went away like the Ravens game. They just went away from the run in the second half and McCown was hurt the whole game and they just didn't run the ball in the second half. Makes no sense. That's not the first time that something like that happened either. Like they just get in the game and I don't know if it was just Hugh pressing and trying to win versus like just trying to get that one win to get his monk, the monkey off his back. But <clears throat> they just Crowell averaged too many yards per carry for them not to be and Duke Johnson for them not to run the ball. Although Crowell did have most of his yards came on a few big runs like that one on the back. Every podcast we talk about that Ravens. He had uh, a big one in Pittsburgh too. when I was there week 17. Yeah, I didn't get excited because I I knew they weren't going to win. He hasn't signed his tender. What do you think they're going to do about that? I I keep forgetting that. I wanted them to draft. I heard they were interested in Dalvin Cook too. And I wanted them to take Dalvin Cook in the second round because I don't. People think that Crowell is this like good running back, and he's decent. But you know, he's not someone to build around. No, he's not like he doesn't blow the doors off. He has home run potential, but so does Duke Johnson. You know, and I, and I think personally, Duke Johnson's a lot more versatile than Isaiah Crowell. 
the problem that I see is Browns fans don't want to like they're like, oh well we can we don't we need to keep him because like Dalvin Cook wouldn't be as good. Yeah, like, it doesn't make any sense. Or like they wouldn't draft Fournette because of Crowell. I'm like, well he's a much better running back than Isaiah Crowell, so I'm not gonna not draft Leonard Fournette if he's there. Yeah. <clears throat> um I think if he does sign his tender, I think with the improved offensive line, he's going to have a better season. It's, it'll just be interesting to see how those numbers differ in terms of carries versus um, yards. Yeah, this front office clearly values running backs. Um, low, I'd say they value them as more expendable. And like they spent the seventh round pick on a running back, Matthew Days. Um, they have Crowell. I heard that guy's a steal too. I yeah, mean, everything so they're, I they're read, trying these to, guys are steals. They're not going to. I don't think they were ever going to draft. Fournette at 12. Yeah, I read that Tom Coughlin loved him and that there was no way he was ever going to yeah. get past four. But the Browns, like how, it's like how the t- kind of team like the Broncos took Chad Kelly late, Trevor Simeon late. You just, you know, take them later, and if it doesn't work out, you can just cut them. While a team like Jacksonville now is really tied to Fournette. And the Browns just aren't yeah, that team that's going to take a running back early. I wouldn't say they're they're not t- they're tied to Fournette in the sense that he's contractually obligated to play. Well, for Well, I mean the fact that they're putting a lot of uh, hope into him, like that he's going to come yeah, and turn I mean, it on their I, offense. I think a running back is that valuable of a position. You know, look at what the Cowboys did with Zeke. Look at what it, that is not Big Ben's offense anymore. That's Levy. No, I agree. Bell's I'm saying the Browns don't treat it as a very no. I know, but they they should is what I'm saying. I mean, I, I've said it probably five or six times on these podcasts now what is a better thing to give a quarterback who is not a Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady than a a running game that is going to average 120 130 yards a game you know a guy that opposing teams are going to have to game plan to stop having AP back there have or AP in his prime um Zeke Elliott uh Melvin or what's his name Le'Veon Bell Melvin Gordon just I mean, I think it's just a huge advantage, and and for for the Browns, I really wanted them to take that shot, but there's always next year. <laughs> that's that's dark. But before we finish up, I want to get to a topic we touched on really quick: the Caleb Brantley pick. I think, mm. and I think it's a smart pick in the sense that Sashi Brown came out and said, you know, if he's guilty of these charges, we're just going to get rid of him. And yeah, with, with, I mean, as they should. Yeah, but I mean, coming in the I mean, draft with 11 picks, you get 10 players. If one, if you have to cut one of them, it was a guy who should have gone way earlier, if not for those charges. They get him, what, in the sixth round? Yeah, I thought it I, – I mean, obviously, if it works out, it's a great Yeah, pick, that's what I mean. It's a very low just risk. A, just a little puzzling, because I know D Haslam is very involved with uh, women in the NFL and, the, the, I think, certain – Parts of, especially against domestic violence. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sure they did their to, homework on it and they called people and they said, okay, we're going to take him. But uh, Mary Kay came out and th- I mean, said that there was a coach that warned every team that called about him to not even, to don't touch that guy, even if he's undrafted. Like, I think that says a lot. And I, I don't fault the Browns for taking it because he is just a six round pick. But I mean, Sashi Brown I mean, did say why? that he, why he waste research the on it and called some people. So there's always going to be differing stories. Yeah. I mean, what happens? <sighs> I don't it's know. training it doesn't camp make... doesn't start for, you know, several months anyway. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't even talk to the guy after the incident happened. They talked to him before, and then after the incident, they didn't talk to him. So it's just, 
I don't know. It almost seemed kind of rushed because they made the pick and everyone freaked out. And then Sashi had to come out and say, well, he might not be on the roster. It almost like I remember my initial reaction was like, did they just forget that he had an incident or like, I don't know. That's just the first impression I got before all the news started coming out. It seemed like they forgot. No, I I mean, they didn't because they would have drafted him way earlier then. (laughs) <laughs> why is this uh why is this joe Mi- it's joe mixing guys he's still he's still here I'm in the first round we should <laughs> glad they didn't take him and i'm not surprised the Bengals did that was i think disaster we, yeah, we were together when that happened i'm like oh shocker the Bengals take another guy with character issues um and it's not a good look yeah, for cincy no it fits their model but you know what the worst part about the nfl is that if he scores touchdowns if he plays well they're gonna win games and yep. no one's gonna care so um it's just uh, it, it's kind of a, a terrible thing. Well, that's you know, why it's good if, that the Browns said they're going to cut ties with Brantley if he's guilty, you know, because if, say, he gets well, he's charged and they kept him anyway and said deal with it, then it'd be like, how are you going to root for that guy if he is guilty, which we're not saying you he think is. that You think they'll cut him, but if, like, they settle out of court or something and maybe the NFL doesn't hand down a punishment, like, I think the Browns, the more they let this play out, you know, or keep it quiet, then people will just kind of forget about it. Yeah, I don't know. I think the reporters will be on it if Brantley makes the final roster. And any charge against him is going to be blown up in the local media. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Remember that Armani Bryant thing a few years ago? People were like, get this guy out of town. He's a seventh-round pick. And I I can't lie. I was like, why why are we keeping this guy? And he he wasn't half bad. But uh, it's just an un. It's just, it's a little You have to decide as an organization are we going to take, are we trying to you know, just win and disregard any sense of morality. Are we trying to build a respectable team? And a team like the Bengals may say, you know, we're going to give the guy a second chance regardless of what he's done or maybe third, fourth, fifth chance. And the Browns are now saying, given they don't keep Brantley if he's guilty, they're not saying, you know, we're trying to build a team with high character guys. And it just depends how you want to run your organization. That's true for any business. Oh, yeah. You're not going to have all Boy Scouts. Everyone's going to have their problem and not every guy's going to be like a joe thomas or a like Kawhi leonard in the nba for a guy that like or i think joe thomas refers to them as football robots so you're always going to have guys that have their issues but i don't know just a puzzling move and i think we'll be definitely we'll be interested about to see how it yeah see how it pans out so aside from that though in gonna, a football standpoint good draft yeah yeah i can't i can't got a kicker it, definitely <clears throat> That's true. Zane Gonzalez, big fan, big fan. Who was in uh, our Dog Pound Daily mock draft? By was, Matt Stevenson. Great call. As soon as I saw it, I Called said, I've it. seen this pick before. <laughs> um, I think that just about does it. Before we end, though, I do want to get an official um, prediction. And actually being on the other side of the coin this time, I want to get an official prediction from Steven. If Cody Kessler's a starter, what their what their record is. You already asked me this. On the record. I, 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 know, I said. But I want the very vehemently five and 11 five wins okay i'm gonna maybe go a tie six wins because i'm a bigger browns fan than you <laughs> and uh i think that'll do it for today's podcast signing off i am andrew Sipe. i'm steven kibitza and thank you for listening to the dog pound daily podcast